We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 94. It is the first Sunday of football season. Scott, I don't know about you, but I've been eating wings and chips and food all day, drinking beers all day. Unfortunately, the Yankees lost, so not in the best moods, even though the Yankees had a good week. Yeah, I mean, today the Yankees lost, uh, my Jets lost, and a terrible, terrible loss. And uh, at least football was back on. Baseball was back on. I had a couple screens going, watching everything. Went over to a buddy's place, hit the smoker up. He smoked some some fish and some pork. It was ridiculous. Fish, huh? Yeah, he, he was uh, mahi and uh, no snapper, snapper and uh, and pork. That's and a that's tacos. a sophisticated tailgate. Not, it's not grown that up. it was it's, a tailgate. That's some grown man shit right there. Yeah, you don't do that when you're in your twenties. That's some thirty year old no. stuff. No, oh yeah, yeah. The food definitely gets better as you get older. There's no doubt about that. Well, you can't the food, eat the crappy food anymore because then you feel extra hungover. Yeah, the food gets better and the beer gets better. That's a definite. It's uh, just one of those things. I tweeted out a picture. I was watching two screens, red zone. I was watching the Jets game and I was watching the Yankees on my computer. And it just so happened that a, a bag of chips got in my picture and people were giving me shit for my chip selection even though it wasn't even my bag of chips. It what was, was it? it was crinkle cut like regular Lay's chips and everyone was saying that I they were the, those were the worst choice of chips I could have made even though those those are pretty pretty average chips to me I don't know 
Well, my favorite chip, two of my favorite chips. I'm not a guy that likes the the different flavors on the chips. I'm not a uh, like I, I like plain chips. So I'm a Fritos guy. I like I like a corn chip, a good corn chip, and then. And I'm not even a huge fan of dips either. And then my second one is along the lines of what you're saying, but to me, the ones that you have are like the generic version of Ripples. Or Ruffles. Ripples. Ruffles. Yeah. Ruffles are my favorite. Those are all in the same category as far yeah. as I'm concerned. I agree. Yeah, we had a couple dips going. Queso, salsa. Yeah. Uh, it was a good day. Uh, it was good to see football back. The one, the one o'clock games were pretty good. Um, unfortunately, your Jets lost. We'll get to that at the end of the show because we agree. Yeah, we're not going to do that. We we're agree. not going to fall into that trap. We're talking football at the end of the show so we don't anger anybody. Not going to fall into that trap. We're going to talk about this this hot team that got a little bit the little uh, little mellowed out today, but that's okay. You can't win every single game. I well, mean, what I think happened. Oh. What I think happened was that they were all watching football today with the rest of America, and they're yeah. They had their right. They had their 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 app in their hand, looking at their fantasy football every, team. Exactly. Um, but it was a good week overall, and if you if you care about playoff odds, I don't know if you do. I know I know we talked about it before the show, and you kind of poo pooed it. Um, yeah. You're not you're Especially, not really you're not really a playoff odds guy. You don't. You don't no, really I think it's it. all horseshit. Right. It doesn't, well, especially with the the way that the schedule is now, and all the the end of the the end of the season is get, is against the division. So I mean, the percent it's like some guy in a back room in Vegas making it up. Well, what's weird is um, for my simple brain. It, it doesn't add up to 100%. So that, to me, first of all, doesn't make sense. If you add up, say, the Red Sox chances, the Toronto Blue Jays chances, Orioles, Yankees, etc., that doesn't equal to 100%. And, and in my mind, odds should equal 100%. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It doesn't. So they all have like maybe a 40% chance, 30% chance. It never adds up to 100 Regardless, the Yankees' chances of making the playoffs, so just entering the wild card game, is at 20% right now. Which is pretty damn good, considering it was at 3% last time we recorded. So it's gone up 17% in the last seven days. I mean, that's what happens when you whip off seven in a row. That's, I mean, the, the fact that the Yankees came in this week and, and just took care of business in the way that they did, in the fashion that they did, and it wasn't just a, it wasn't just a, a ho-hum, let's take care of business. I mean, there was excitement the entire week. There were so many amazing things happening. And it just it just made it that much better, you know, with the the, the level of uh, the the way that they won certain games was uh, was just awesome. So you know what pissed twenty percent now. I mean, I even give them higher than twenty percent at this point. And what what's the? Uh, it, it really depends on what happens in this Red Sox series. In all honesty. Well, yeah, I mean, they control their own destiny because they play all in division games. But yeah. but but you know what pissed me off this week? All those all those great come from behind wins, and the stadium was like. 40% full every night. It's like when are people going to get on get 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 on with this team and realize that this is an exciting young team and go out to the damn stadium and watch this team play. Yeah, I'm not I don't get that. I don't really understand why that's that's happening, especially with the it seems like I mean maybe we're just so deep into it that the buzz is very real. <laughs> At least it sounds real and it's on on when you're looking I online it's, it's I think it's real. It's it's super real and uh in person it just like you said doesn't seem like it. They're they're just not filling. I, mean, Friday I don't get it. I, it doesn't make sense to me. And I the almost, Mets aren't good. I almost understand. <laughs> I almost understand today. Football season's back. Uh, you don't go out to the stadium for a one o'clock game. I almost get that. But Friday and Saturday, the stadium was not even really half full. And what what else are you doing at that point? It really may be the the ridiculous impact of football in general with college football starting on Saturday and. 
and then the NFL on Sunday. You know, people are making decisions and they're enjoying their couch more than they are enjoying going to a game. Or the fact that everybody's just lazy and they they realize that they can get some good couch time in and, and you know double screen it with the football and baseball games. Laziness in America know. is a real problem. Oh yeah, it's we're we're we are lazy, super lazy. Well, it's not getting it's getting worse. I think the buzz online is definitely real. Um, I I I definitely notice notice it on Twitter. People are more excited about this team. And, and well, I mean, that's what happens anytime they start winning. I mean, when they start winning, the the level of of interactions, the engagement, the buzz, everything starts going up. But I think I think with the way they're winning with with young players and um, no one expected them to win in these last month and a half, that I think it makes it that much more exciting. I wrote something on Friday that the Yankees are flourishing with zero expectations. And I, I honestly think that makes a, a world of difference when this team is not expected to win. They sold all their good players. They, they traded away their two best bullpen arms. They traded away their best hitter. And they got better. I know you're going to say, well, oh, who called that? Yes, <laughs> you, you did call that. Uh, whether that was a sarcastic prediction or not, you, you were No, it was not a sarcastic that. prediction. But I mean, not to this extent, obviously. But yeah. But but it's, I think it, it's it's there's something to be said where this team is playing fast and loose, and it's just more fun that way. Right. No, there's no doubt. And the fact that there's you know the the youth comes up and these guys just play at a different level of excitement. There's just a different energy, and I you know I think people really underestimate chemistry in a clubhouse and. The fact that when there is energy in the clubhouse, other players can feed off of it. I mean, look what Ellsbury's done over the past two series. He's been on fire. He's hitting like 400, uh, and he's actually hitting with a little bit of power lately. Yeah, there's, after there's being guys, benched, McCann's been, benched McCann has embraced game. that role. Huh? After Ellsbury was benched in the most important game of the season, according to the manager. Yeah, he was banged up for for with with uh, unknown unknown injuries. But, you know, the fact of the matter is, is when young kids get in there and they start playing well and they actually do play well and then you have a kid who's just crushing it, the the rest of the team notices and kind of has to level up their game because they can't get, you know, completely overshown by uh, by a bunch of young bucks coming up. Yeah, I, I mean, definitely the, the youth has propelled them and Brian Cashman was asked. Would you go back and not trade away your your bullpen arms and Carlos Beltran, considering this team has turned it around? And to his credit, he said, this wouldn't have happened if we didn't make all those trades. Right. Gary Sanchez would not have gotten the chance to be the everyday catcher. Aaron Judge, I know he struggled a lot, but he would not have been a ch- had a chance to be the everyday first uh, right fielder. Tyler Austin would not have had a chance to be the everyday first baseman. A lot of this stuff, uh, Luis, uh, Luis Sessa, Chad Green, I know he's hurt, but all that stuff would not have happened had they not made all those trades. It's very true. I mean, everything was set up at the trade deadline, knowing what was going to happen. The fact that the ex- the fact that what has gone on and this team has just come out of nowhere and and want, whipped off that seven in a row and put themselves right back in the thick of things was obviously an unknown. I mean, nobody nobody could have predicted the level of success that they've had. I mean, even when I was talking about that, I wasn't being sarcastic, but I thought there would be you know an uptick, the energy, and they would finish maybe a couple games above five hundred, but. Not to this level. I mean, you cannot predict something like this. You can't predict Gary Sanchez hitting 11 home runs in, what, 20, 21, 22 games. I mean, things like that you know, go beyond predictions. It's, it's just uh, they're the riding the wave. Tyler Austin's had a hell of a week. So the fact that these kids are all playing together and playing well and putting it together is, um, is exciting. And, you know, I'm expecting good things from Judge before the end of the season. I think he's going to – even this past week, if you look, the strikeouts have gone down – a little bit uh, from the past week, he's he's getting more base hits. 
Uh, he's walked a couple more times. So I think the at-bats have been better, and we're starting to see him get a little bit more comfortable. So hopefully that, that continues and he can still you know, continue to build on that and, uh, and, and get his confidence up. I can tell you right now his, his mind is in the right place. He does not seem shaken. The kid's definitely got a pro, uh, a pro approach. Well, if you believe the, the history of him, he struggled when he went up to AAA, struck out a bunch in his first yep. year, and then he rebounded in his second year in AAA, got his strikeouts down to the low 20%, and he had a really good June and July in September, or June and July in, um, in AAA, was called up for August and September, and he's struggling. I mean, we kind of expected that, didn't we? Yeah. I mean, he's done it. It wasn't even just AAA. I mean, it, he's done it at every level. This is something that he's he's talked about this in numerous interviews about this is part of the process and he understands this is part of the process the struggle in the beginning i mean it's happened everywhere at every level he's climbed up so i don't think it's something that he didn't expect actually i think it's it's something that you know i don't know if you go in saying that okay i'm gonna struggle but you say if it does happen i'm not gonna let it beat me i'm gonna keep continue to work and know that there is light uh you know around the corner and uh you know that's the kid's mentality if you, he's so cool calm and collected every time he talks uh, you know, it's very difficult for me to believe that he doesn't actually believe that because he would be a hell of an actor if he if he's coming on saying all these right things and then going going back back and just beating himself up. I don't think that's the case. I think he's mentally mentally in the right spot. Yeah, I'm not too worried about him. I think that they're in a position where they need to let him struggle and get through it, and I think that's the best thing for him long term. Um, but you mentioned earlier how they kind of um, I don't want to say control their own destiny because they're right now not in the playoffs. But they're in a position where if they win the majority of their games, they're going to make the playoffs. Because of the 20 remaining ball games, 17 of them are in division. And that includes 7 against Boston. That includes 4 against Toronto and 3 against Baltimore. And they're chasing all of those teams. So if they win the majority of those games, they're going to knock somebody out of the playoffs. And they're going to be in a position where they're in a wild card game. So at the very least... They're in a position where we're having exciting games to the very last day of the season. And I think if you rewind a month, a month and a half, that's pretty much all we could ask for. No doubt. I mean, the fact that we, you know, control the destiny because the teams in front of us are on the schedule for the rest of the year is is exactly what you need. And this team is going in with nothing to lose. This is all house money. It doesn't, you know, if they don't make the playoffs, then okay, then it's, it's, that was expected. If they do make the playoffs, I mean, it's amazing, and they build on it. So really nothing to lose. The kids are moving forward, and, uh, and it's exciting. This, this series against uh, Boston coming up is going to be, like you said, it's going to be kind of a throwback. It's, gonna, it's definitely going to have a lot of energy, and that place is going to be packed. Oh, four-game series at Fenway where the Red Sox are in first place and the Yankees are fighting for a playoff position. I don't know if it gets any better than that. The Red Sox fans are going to look for. They want to see in person who they're supposed to hate next. <laughs> they want to see. They want to get some eyes on these uh, on these kids who are who are tearing up the MLB right now. El Kraken, El Kraken, dominating uh, pitch outs and just hitting bombs to straight center field when he's <laughs> doing a little uh, little uh, softball slow pitch softball shuffle. Love it. It's been a while since the Yankees and Red Sox played a series this late in the season, and it meant this much. I, I did a little digging, and it was 2011 that the last time the, these two teams played a series in September when playoff implications were on the line. Because, think about it, the, the Yankees were good in 2012, and the Red Sox were led by Bobby Valentine, and they sucked. 
And then 2013, the Red Red Sox somehow won the World Series and the Yankees didn't make the playoffs. 2014, both teams stunk. And 2015, the Red Sox were pretty bad and the Yankees were kind of just limping to the playoffs. So it's been a long time since they've had this type of playoff implication. And I think that's going to bring a new type of energy to this rivalry that we haven't seen in five, six, maybe even seven years. Well, and the fact that also... It's all new guys, you know. Ortiz is, is the last guy that, or and and Pedroia are the last guys there. Ortiz on the way out, so Pedroia really would be the only rollover to to the teams that you know that that have actually faced each other that had some bad blood. So this is all new new bad blood. Hopefully, that's going to start because I really hope that something happens in these teams like off the bat just don't like each other. I could see Tyler Austin doing something. He seems like a kid that would start a fight, so I could see him doing something. Yeah. Because he's he's not quite good enough. He's not quite talented enough to just go about his own business. He needs to. He's gritty enough to to bring a little energy to the table to get get angry at somebody. Maybe start a fight. Maybe get hit by a pitch. Maybe maybe act like he's going to charge the mound or something like that. Yeah, I could definitely see him getting animated and, and hard getting slide into up. second base. Yeah, no doubt. Castro, I could see it too. You think so? Well, a little animation. This is what I want. I just want that series to be a, a tight series. I hope they're all good games and uh, and the Yankees sweep close games. That would be amazing. That's uh, all you want is a sweep? Uh, it's all I want. I want, well, I want close games too. So both. You want the Red Sox to lose in disastrous fashion. Yeah, and I want I want Lane to go in there and just and dominate them. Well, Mr. Tommy Lane, the one who, who got dropped from the Red Sox, I want him to go back. Into, into Fenway and dominate them. Uh, That's all I ask for. It's The reason also I'm looking forward to this series is because I feel like it's going to be like a playoff series, and they have not met in the playoffs in, what is it, 12 years at this point? It's way too long. These teams need to ma- meet in the playoffs again for, for that rivalry to go back up to, a, to another level. Yeah, this could be a good start, though. Um. And you know other teams in, that they're chasing. Toronto's been struggling recently. They're three and seven in the last ten games, and the Red Sox just took two, two out of three from them. So it, it kind of and the Yankees just swept them. So it kind of feels like the Toronto Blue Jays are coming back to earth. And they the Yankees don't need to catch all three of those teams. They just need to pass one of them. They need to pass Detroit, and they need to pass uh, pass one of the other AL East teams. And we're in a wild card game, and who knows what's going to happen. The crazy thing about Toronto is that their pitching has kind of come back down to earth, and they were actually, you know, for the majority of the year, leading the AL East in in pitching. And when you look, when we when we all looked at their roster ahead of time before the season even started, that was their big that was going to be their big Achilles heel was the pitching, and nobody really thought it was going to be where it is by any means. But they've gotten some really good pitching by you know Jay Happ, yeah. who knew that was coming, um, <laughs> and then Sanchez come out of nowhere. That. Didn't you huh? and I both mock the Jay Happ signing? Well, J J A Hap, no, as I J-Hap. As, as, don't call him J A. Yeah, I mean he was a uh, you know he's always he was a he was a he got hurt wasn't he the one that got hit in the head? Didn't he get hit this, in the head? This happened and a while ago. Yeah, but he came back, and uh, and I think he had surgery. I don't know what the hell he he, he kind of surfaced out of nowhere. But he's always been a guy that's that's uh, that's been a tough lefty, and uh, but I mean not to this extent that he's having a hell of a year. And that whole bolt that whole that whole starting rotation has been you know way exceed, exceeding well over what they were supposed to do uh you put that with their offense and obviously you're going to win games but the pitching has definitely come back down to earth and you know the offense is still hitting 
there's there's still a, a dynamic offense by by every you know stretch of it, but the pitching has absolutely come back down to earth, and uh, the rest of the AL East I think is taking advantage of that. And I, that's you know that's that's where I saw them uh, at some point was that pitching was going to be still their heel, and I think at the end of the season that's what's gonna that's what's gonna bury them because I don't see them uh, I don't see them uh, coming out on top of this uh, this little this little four dog race. Well, I think Tuesday's game, the wild game that the Yankees ended up winning said a lot about how the Blue Jays are trending and how the Yankees are trending. Sanchez was going for the Blue Jays, pitching lights out. Uh, He's got filthy stuff. I mean, the dude throws in the mid to upper 90s, and obviously he's got strong sinker. It's easy to see why he's got such good numbers. And the Yankees somehow, with Luis Sessa, were matching him pitch for pitch. And that's kind of how August has gone for the Yankees, where they're doing it with smoke and mirrors. And uh, <laughs> Tyler Austin hit an absolute bomb to right center field. I mean, that was legit. That's his power lane. That's his power lane. Legit oppo boppo power right there into the bleachers, not just the, the right field stands. He hit it over Zach Campbell's head, 20 rows over Zach Campbell's head into the yeah, bleachers. That, that time. Yeah, that time. No, but, the fact but, that Tyler Austin's coming in and showing that opposite opposite field power is so important because now now not only you know can you can you play him and uh, against righties and lefties you're confident that he can go the opposite way and take advantage of the stadium uh, with with that opposite field power because he he has legitimate absolute power to the opposite field and it's it's not something we've seen from a right-handed bat in in quite some time. Uh, in, in the Yankees lineup that, that can go that way. I mean, it's uh, we've seen opposite hit field hitters, but not with power, not not very often. Yeah, his power is definitely to the opposite field. And, and the, I mean, they took the lead, and then the bullpen kind of collapsed. I, want, I don't want to call it a bullpen collapse. It was kind of an eighth inning overall collapse with, I want to give it 50% on the bullpen, 50% on Girardi. Um, would you have left Warren out there? He got five easy outs, then gave yeah. up a single. And then Girardi pulls him. Would you have left Warren out there? Because Clippard was not available. So the reason, uh, yes, I would have left him in there. And, and the reason why is because what happened next. Tommy Lane comes in. I'm trying to remember who the, who the batters were. It was, um, it was a left-handed batter. Yeah, Tommy Lane Saunders. came to face a left-handed hitter. Yeah, walked. it was Saunders. And then they pinch hit. Yeah. Uh, and then they pinch hit. Walked him. And, and, and he walked him. But, but knowing knowing... Girardi knowing that he's going to go make that change, that he's going to get the that he's going to get the, the the pinch hitter coming in, you know, I guess his confidence was more in Tommy Lane to get the the right-handed batter out, whereas Warren's going up against uh, going up against Saunders and Lefty. I don't know how that confident got confidence got shifted from from Warren to Lane in you know a, a matchup that's not good for either one, but it did. And then he had to go back to Heller, or he had to go back to the right-handed. Uh, pitcher with Heller on the next batter where Warren could have stayed in the game. So, no, I would have kept Warren in and gone after the, the lefty because if you're going righty right after that, um, then Warren can can handle two more outs. Well, that's kind of the, the monkey wrench that September baseball throws into every game, right? Because you have these so many expanded options. rosters where yeah. a team can make a pinch, can pinch hit for a guy and it doesn't affect them because they've got so many players. So, Girardi needs to understand that when he's making a pitching change. And I totally agree with you. I would have left Warren out there. I mean, he got five outs and then gave up a single. I, I wouldn't really call that struggling. I would just call that he gave up a single in, in six batters. I mean, that's kind of normal, isn't it? 
I mean, the fact that, that Girardi made that move, I mean, he made it knowing that the, the pinch hitter was coming. It was not a surprise to anybody. They, it, was a known, it was a known quantity. I mean, when he, when he made that change, he knew that they were going to switch. So he did it with, with the intent that, that Lane was going to face, I forget who it was. It might have been uh, Russell Martin was the right-handed bat. I, I don't remember who the bat was, but he knew that that, that, bat, that right-handed bat was coming up. So Well, it, Lane, Lane and Heller got zero outs combined. Right. And, so it know, didn't work. Right. So uh, <laughs> then you, you had to make a decision there where do you go to Batances? And I know Batances ended up struggling this in this game. So does Girardi look like the like he was right or wrong? I don't know because Batances was so bad in the ninth inning. But in a vacuum in that eighth inning, I wanted Girardi to go to Batances because I thought that was the most crucial point in the game at that point. It's do or die at this point in the, in the season. I know Batances pitched two days in a row. But you can't be losing ball games at this point. You need to win every game you can. So especially against the division. Yeah, I almost would have gone to Batances in the eighth inning. Um, I know uh, it's, it's it's just tough to go back on all of these things because you bring in Lane, you bring in Heller, and the fact that these two guys didn't do their job, either one of them. I mean, to me, that's on the pitcher. You got to get the out. Well, but these are these are pitchers that do not belong in an eighth inning against the Toronto Blue Jays. I understand that. Clippard being unavailable, then it, originally I would have stayed with Warren. Well, but you're bringing these two the, guys in. That's the first mistake Jordy made. That was the mistake. That To me, that was the mistake. Because then you screw yourself going forward. Right. Um, but the Yankees, uh, to their credit, took took the lead. Didi got a triple. He's been struggling. Didi's been struggling this week. Um, I know Michael Kay and uh, Paul O'Neill and Flaherty were talking about his swing looking a little loopy. Um, I don't know if you listened to the Yes broadcast this weekend, but that was their big take on Didi this weekend. Yeah, and I mean, to his credit, he's been playing some 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 phenomenal defense. The guy's going out there and coming up in clutch situations. The one thing that Didi Gregorius has done this year, I mean, he's he's a 280 hitter right now this, during this season. He's probably going to end the season right around there, 275, 280. But the fact that the dude comes up in big situations, and it seems like more often than not, he's coming up with a big hit. You know, even in the middle of a, a big slump like that, he games up and and gets the uh, the much needed hit. So I, I have very very high confidence in Didi coming up in a big at bat, no matter you know what he's been doing at the plate over the past over the past week. He's you know uh, he's I a loved? guy who games up. You know what I loved? He slid into third base on that triple, immediately looked into the dugout and and raised his fist like pumped up as all hell. I honestly feel like Didi is one of the two or three leaders in that clubhouse. Oh, definitely. He's definitely become one of those guys. I think him and Starlin have a have a dynamic, and I think a lot of the young guys uh, really like it. I mean, you're moving forward. We talked about who are the who are going to be these these leaders moving into next year, and it's Didi and Castro. You know, depending on the fact if if uh, McCann stays there and he's uh, back up and and a DH, you know, you put him on the list. But of the younger guys who are going to be the leaders of the youngest guys, you're looking at Didi. I mean, Didi's the shortstop. Castro is is the second baseman right now. So. These are the two guys moving forward that, I mean, Ellsbury's not a leader. He's not that no, vocal guy. Does Ellsbury it's, even speak? Does he speak in the clubhouse? It's, so it's it's absolutely Didi. And Didi's, I, I think, doing a hell of a job. I, is it just me or do not enough people love Didi? I think they do. I just think he goes about his job and does it. He's, he's, uh, he's not polarizing enough for people to talk about all the time. Not yet, at least. He's become one of my favorite players on this team. Yeah, he he does this for a couple more seasons or another season into it. He's gonna start. He's gonna start uh, getting a lot more chatter. Um, you know, the thing is, is that 
when you're looking at a guy like Didi, he's not as exciting as a guy like Gary Sanchez who's coming up and is dazzling all over the place. So he's being overshadowed by these kids right now. But That's okay, but uh, I still think he could be a leader in that clubhouse. Even Oh, even he is the leader. He's one of the leaders, absolutely. And no I doubt. think he's he's got he's in a position where he's going to be the veteran on the team next year. He's only 27 years old, so it's not to say he's old, but he's one of the most seasoned guys on that team. And I know we've talked about this before, but if Didi can take and Didi and Starling can take a leadership role in that clubhouse going forward next year, I think that puts the Yankees in a tremendous position. No doubt, no doubt. So, I mean, to to continue on this Tuesday game, I think the reason we're talking about this game so much is because I think it was honestly a pivotal point in the season. It was one of the best games of the year. Yeah, I mean, one of the wild, most wild wins. I mean, the Yankees take the lead, and then the the third baseman that I will not acknowledge hit a home run in that inning. His name is Chase Headley. No, I don't. He's been playing pretty well lately. Who are you talking? If you've noticed on Twitter, I've started using just blank spaces for his name. Yeah, it's he's been hitting home runs ever since he's been doing it. So, so the credit goes to me then. For what? For him hitting home runs. Who? Him. I don't know who that is. No. Oh, well. Uh, Batances forty pitches to get one out. Almost, almost historic level of pitching. The fact that he only gave up one run and forty pitches and only got one out, and then he turns it over to Blake Parker. Honestly, give me your honest opinion on when Blake Parker came in with the bases loaded and one out, the Yankees up by two runs. What were you thinking? The Yankee killer Kevin Pillar was up. The dude that is become, climbing the list of guys that I do not want to see up against the Yankees in a, in a crucial situation. This guy seems like every time there's, there's a, a big scenario against Toronto, he's up and delivers. So that was not the guy I wanted to see. And... Parker threw just a back-breaking curveball that dropped into the zone to strike him out, and he was so angry. It was a beautiful, beautiful pitch. When I when I saw what the situation was going to happen, I thought we were screwed. Oh my Completely God. screwed. I it was like uh, it I was one out. Why he had to pull Batances and Batances to his I love this. Batances was waving Girardi back in the yeah, back yeah, out, yeah. like let me pitch. I want this. Forty pitches though. I mean, you could see he was completely gassed. Yeah, and he had a little bit of a bad luck with that that dribbler down the first baseline where he he had a bad angle at the base because he was going for the ball, the ground ball in the beginning. It was a tough play because you know once he started going for that ball, he didn't have an angle at first and uh, and just couldn't get there in time. So a little bit of bad luck there, but but Parker coming in with a, a was bases loaded, one out, yeah, getting Pilar to strike out, and then the the, <laughs> the like everybody's heart sinks. When that ball goes, hits, you know, gets off the bat. I honestly um, think that fly ball took three years off my life. Oh my god! I think the uh, I, the fact that Gardner goes back, 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 and catches this thing, and then there's just like this perfect, perfect snow cone <laughs> that comes, and he looks up because he had no idea that the ball was in his glove. It looked like it was the the, the type of play where. He catches it, hits the wall, ball, you know, like goes over the fence. Yeah, I think that's what he thought of what, what happened. And when he he was, the utter like shock and emotion when he saw that ball in his glove was priceless. Yeah, he jumped up and down like they just won the World Series. It was great, and I told, awesome. I don't blame him one bit. I mean, that was a wild, wild game, and they deserved to win that game. And it was an emotional game. They jumped up and down. The team celebrated with that win, and it's totally justified. And I think that picture, that screenshot of of Gardner jumping up and down with the Cowabunga dude in his left hand was 
freaking awesome. That's that's honestly one of my favorite pictures of the year from this team. Yeah, it was just great emotion, and you can see what 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 that type of that what that type of game can do, and the and the momentum in in the clubhouse. I mean, they come back after that game now, and you're you're riding the wave of what just happened, and they definitely they definitely took advantage of it. I mean, I, we could look at that game and and really see it as a as a, as a truly pivotal game. Yeah, because what's what's one thing that even though they were playing so well in August, what's one thing they struggled with? Winning close games? I was going to say sweeping series. Yeah. And Wednesday, they had Brian Mitchell going, who has not started for them all year. He was going to make the team out of spring training, but had turf toe, which is just annoying. And the yeah, dude, but for a pitcher, that's brutal. No, I'm saying it's annoying. That's like it's, it's, it's like a weird kind of fluke injury. And the dude, the dude made the team, and he was a young pitcher, and you had such high hopes for him. Doesn't start, doesn't even, the first debut of the season, goes out there and pitches a strong start, and the Yankees win a 2 to nothing game. That, that would not have happened in April, May, June, or July. 100% would not have happened. No, no doubt. I mean, you got to give him a lot of credit. He's definitely came, he came back, because I'm pretty sure we were not expecting to see him at all this year. And the fact that he rehabbed, got got himself healthy, and you know is able to contribute in a very very large way in a huge game. I mean, talk about coming making your 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 your, your debut in uh, in a series against Toronto. You know, one of the best lineups in baseball. In basically, we have to sweep the series or you know win three or four. And uh, and yeah, he he definitely gamed up, pitched very well, and then the the anomaly of of uh, I almost said Pedro Severino. It was like Pedro Serrano Whoa. of Severino Whoa. coming through and uh, and pitching. It's like it's like he 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 tricks himself. He's like, oh, I'm I'm coming out of the bullpen. I'm gonna be lights out today. You know, what? I'm you not starting, so I, I can be lights out. Pedro Serrano Severino. If you remember from Major League, Pedro Serrano was very ritualistic. Yeah, that Voodoo. might work for Severino. Maybe he might need a snake or something in his in his locker to make sure he can be a starter next season. <laughs> but honestly, it makes no sense the fact that he can allow two hits in 50 plus batters out of the bullpen. He pitched three lights out innings on Wednesday night, but he can't be a starter. I just flat out don't get it. Right, because the argument of of talking about Severino as a bullpen arm is the fact that he has two pitches. And the fact that the two pitches really doesn't translate when you're in a starter, but when you are pitching multiple innings and facing a uh, facing a a lineup more than once, you're still using those same pitches against guys who have seen it within the game. So it's you know you're not getting to that third usually you're not getting to that third uh, time around, but you're still you're still seeing you multiple times. So it's strange. It's definitely between the ears, though. There's there's no other way around it. Well, he's in the bullpen to stay this season. I don't think there's any question about it, unless an injury occurs. You know that's possible. <laughs> You're damn right it's possible. It seems like it happens every week. Um, elbows are a fickle bastard with pitchers at this point. Yeah. But uh, he's got – they're still going to give him the shot, I think, for the rotation in spring, right? Oh, no doubt. He's – no doubt. So I think he – I think it, you're right. It's between the ears. Um uh, I think maybe what the Yankees do is in, invest in a good shrink and send him in Pineda. 
Oh God, not together. I I need separate sessions. I don't want them. I don't want Pineda leak couples to look, because couple, I think Pineda's way further therapy. down the line. No, they got couples therapy. No, Pineda's way worse off. Pineda is screwed. <laughs> Pineda is so messed up in the head. It's not even funny. He wears it on his sleeve too, and I can't handle it. We'll get to him in a second. Um, all right, they sweep the series against Toronto. Fantastic. Tampa's coming in. Tampa is basically mailing in the season. Um, they're what twenty games out of of the division at this point. And um, Thursday night, a back and forth game, and uh, home runs galore given up by CC Sabathia. I think also uh, of the solo variety. I think uh, the uh, the email that the Yankees were in a playoff chase must have gotten lost in CC's spam mail. He must not have gotten it because he went out there and laid an egg. Uh, against the Rays, but the Yankees ended up winning it on a Tyler Austin walk-off home run. Dude had one hell of a week. Another Oppo Power, uh, Oppo Power stroke that that won the game. Yeah, that was that to me. So you were talking about one of your favorite pictures. Actually, that was one of my favorite pictures of of the season. Funny that they came in the same week, but uh, with with Austin celebrating with the uh, the water all over him after they dumped just, on him. Gatorade or water. Just yeah, I put it up on Instagram. It's a it's a hell of a picture. It's a good one. And you know uh, what he I just loved? Looks, he just looks pumped up. You know what I loved about him uh, coming into home? If uh, he's like leaping in the air and he's still not as tall as Judge, because <laughs> <laughs> the dude's a monster. He's freaking not human. <laughs> and and uh, honestly, and I think to your point earlier in the podcast, you said Judge has a good head on his shoulders and he's not yep. letting it get to him. Anytime someone else does something good, he's the one of the first guys out there to celebrate. He seems like he's genuinely into it, and he understands that he's struggling and he's going to get over it. it. It does not seem like he is letting it get to him because he was pumped up as anyone for that for that walk off home run by Austin. The other thing about that though is you know it's it's hard not to be when you when you've been playing for a long time with these guys. I mean, this is something that we touched on earlier and. The, you know, the fact that these guys already have a chemistry together because look at what the minor league system is doing right now. The, the Tampa is, is winning. Scranton is winning. They, they've come from a uh, you know, minor league system of winning teams, and they've all been doing it together. So the fact that these guys have been coming up together, and now they're on the major league stage together, they're all pulling for each other. I mean, you see all these, they're doing promos together all over the place. They're walking the streets in New York. They're going in the subway. They're doing all sorts of crap. And they genuinely seem like they like each other and have a very good friendship. We talked about before how they all engage with each other on social media. These things cannot be overstated. The chemistry that these guys have, the young core that they have already, and when they came up, it's like you, you have to be part of this, this, this energy because there's so many of them up together now on the club that it's infectious. And I, you know, I believe that. I believe that Austin and, and Ref Snyder and Judge and Sanchez are all pulling for each other. I mean, these guys... I've been playing baseball together for a long time, and that creates a, a solid bond. So it's why it kind of pissed me off, though, that the stadium is forty-five percent full. Like, yeah, I, I don't know why people aren't getting that yet. I, I don't know if it, if if it takes an entire year and it, it takes does. an offseason of promotions. It must because I, I mean I got to believe the average fan is is not really following what's going on. They they saw that they traded at the trade de- they sold at the trade deadline, and they mentally checked out, but. Uh, a, a young homegrown team is so much more exciting than anything for agency can buy. It's really hard for me right now to get into the mind of a very casual Yankees fan. <laughs> I, I I don't get it. I don't know how that 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 brain even works anymore because it's <laughs> we're so deep into it 
and uh, that we talk about it every week, obviously on the show and watching every single game and you know just analyzing everything, writing articles about it, doing all these things. And um, I just it's very difficult for me to not to to see how all you know not the entire city is is surrounding this team because it's that exciting. I mean, it's just it's just that. Uh, to me, it's it's that it, it 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 should be that much you know more engaging with the fans. Well, you saw how participation. You things. saw how the city and the Mets fans rallied around the Mets last year when they made their World Series run because they had such a young core of players. I don't see why there's any reason why that shouldn't happen with the Yankees. Not to say they're going to the World Series this year, but as far as rallying around this young core of players, I think it absolutely needs to happen. Yeah, you know, I, I think it. I think it does. I think there is kind of a cycle though of. of you know this has to happen for uh, a little bit, or you know, even if they were to make the playoffs, or if this game were to, if they were to continue, and, and it gets you know down to the last two weeks, and and the the buzz gets even louder and louder and louder, it's gonna it's gonna roll over into next year. So, and the Mets fans, I mean, I don't know. There, there's I, to me, there's a difference in the in the fan base, a little bit of a difference. Whereas the Mets just they haven't seen any winning in so so long that they come out of the woodwork. And and Yankees fans, uh, you know, obviously they've seen a lot of it, and the, and the younger fans are now are, are starting to come up, and they haven't seen this winning. So I think you're going to start seeing more of that, and I think that's why we see more of it on social media. It's because we're seeing a lot of the younger fans and you know the excitement and the pure joy of it, just because they haven't seen it before. So, um, you know, going back to that Tyler Austin walk off home run too, an interesting point. I mean, at this point we all know who Girardi is playing, and I mean the the order has come down from the top. Kids got to play. Kids got to play. But we all know how Girardi has has always gone to his veteran guys, and and even in a, a walk year with Teixeira announcing his retirement, um, you know, obviously he has been swinging the bat. But you have a matchup where Girardi normally would would switch with the left. He kept Tyler Austin on that at bat where he had Teixeira in, uh, you know, on the bench, and could have flipped him around and had a much better matchup, you know, by the numbers. And he didn't. He stuck with the kid, and the kid delivered that oppo. Uh, and and I think it's because of that oppo stroke. And Girardi's really believing that power. So, well, good on Girardi for keeping the kid in the game. Teixeira is burnt toast at this point. Yeah, yeah, but, I mean, he hit a grand slam the other night. I mean, he's he's taking these opportunities and making the most of them. Yeah. <laughs> Dog catches his tail every now and again, I guess. But, I hope he catches it. I hope he keeps catching it for the rest of the year. Um, Teixeira, I mean, he, he is completely on his last leg. And it doesn't help the fact that he's playing sporadically, but... My God, does he look bad at the plate? Um, I know he hit the grand slam and it helped him win the game on Friday, but come on, he looks terrible. I mean, at this point, he's a he's going to be a pinch hitter and he's going to come up in situations like that. So, really, just need him to be mustering, you know. And he's going to be playing occasionally and and probably in the DH spot if there's good matchups. But you know, this is a guy that we're gonna that that could be a, a big point. I mean, you're, that's your boy. That's your X factor. Right I there. mean, hypothetical situation: the Yankees are in a one-game playoff. Teixeira is not in the starting lineup, correct? Right, right. And if he is, um, you and I are freaking pissed off. No, he's not going to be in the lineup. There's no way. He's a pinch hitter. <laughs> there's no. Point. There's no way. That's what I'm saying. Like he's going to come. He, but you say he very well will come up in a very big situation. You say there's no way, but I'm kind of scared there is a way. Well, I think that Girardi showed a lot in that at bat when Tyler Austin stayed in that game and delivered. That that puts a lot of confidence to me in the manager, and just the way that these kids have played. So no, I don't, I don't think that's this is the reason they're in this situation. <laughs> I know if they were in that game, the reason they would be in that game would be because of the youth. Yes. So not at that point would you go back on totally, it. but it would be so Girardi to it get would to be a Girardi. one game playoff, and then that you would look be too at the much lineup. Too much. And Mark Teixeira is at first base batting third. 
Brian no. McCann is catching, batting, no, stop, cleanup. Stop making my skin. Aaron cold. Hicks is off the DL. He's playing right field. <laughs> I mean, oh my God, I, I'm having nightmares about it tonight. I know it. Thanks a lot. You just not happening. You just ruined my night. <laughs> You're the one that's ruining your night for yourself coming here with these ridiculous situations. Um, Saturday, you kind of alluded to this, uh, but Sanchez, that sack fly on the pitch out may be my favorite at-bat of the entire season. I was at dinner. It was my friend's birthday, so we were out to dinner. I, with no shame, was watching on my cell phone at dinner. Um, my friends have kind of just ignored the fact that I am obsessed with the Yankees, and they just kind of push me aside and say, yeah, that's our weird friend watching baseball on his phone every night. But when the dude hit a sack fly, almost a home run, to the to, – It was 398. To the wall. 398. Yeah. yeah. To the wall on a pitch out. I, it's – I mean, that's better than any home run he can hit. That was electric. This So I, I, I tweeted as that happened. I, I did a little, uh, oh, my God, this guy is a legend. And I'm – it was it was an overstatement to an extent, but situations like that, things like that, are are the types of plays that people don't ever forget. Those are the ones that start you know tacking up and start cementing a, a type of legacy. And you know if he continues his good play, these are the types of things that are that you're going to remember. Like remember when Gary Sanchez in 2016. Yeah, you know, did a Billy Madison hit a fifty mile an hour uh, <laughs> attempted intentional walk pitch, and you know, reached out over the plate and hit it four hundred feet. I mean, that's the type of stuff that you don't ever forget, you know, and that will will go back. You know, people will be telling that story for years and years and years. And years. I loved so, when they panned over to Kevin Cash in the Rays dugout. He's like, "What the hell just happened? How did he hit that? It was beautiful. Yeah, it was awesome. The fact like that he that. did a little shuffle step to get yeah. to to get himself." Into it, I mean, he it was like a Billy Madison, uh, you know, drive off the tee or or just a you know a slow pitch. I mean, I do that in slow pitch softball to go oppo <laughs> to like shift my feet and dance because it's you know it's it's coming at you you know thirty five miles an hour. Stuff. So like the fact that. that he does something like that is crazy. Stuff like that. Stuff like throwing runners out from his knees and Legends. tweeting tweeting Legends. tweeting a gif of him throwing a runner out from his knees with hashtag I am Gary. That's how you get to legend status. Yeah, he's getting these. I mean, that's such a short sample size, and he's already building such a good case for it. It's amazing. He's he's one could argue that in the short amount of time that Gary Sanchez has been up here, he has done more for his own legacy than any other player, any other <laughs> oh, player in, in, what, in history. What has he been up for five weeks? Yeah, in and... history, the five weeks, the greatest five weeks on the field, off the field, and in social media ever. And it's not every day that the Yankees have a player like that where no. he is excited. He's transcending the game. I mean, we're not exact. This is no longer hyperbole. He made history to the fastest career home runs to eleven. I mean, fastest ever. That's we're no longer speaking hyperbole when we say he made history. So it's not every day the Yankees have a player like this. Um, you know, yes, there's the Bryce Harpers. There's Mike Trout, and I'm not saying that Gary Sanchez is going to be as good as those players. I'm not saying he's going to be a Hall of Famer, but we finally have somebody to look forward to where this guy could be one of the best players in the league. The fact that he comes back on after they win their seventh 
he sends a tweet out this you know the start spread of the news hashtag that that the Yankees use and everybody uses, and he says, uh, Yankees don't quit, NYC you with us, and this thing gets retweeted three thousand times, is is just ridiculous. I mean th- he's he's calling for the fan base right now. He's engaging with the fan base, basically saying, you know come out. This is we're doing this. Are you there too? I, I love it. I love the fact that he's he's engaged with everybody and coming out and he's not doing it directly he's you know he's, he's putting these these statements out there it's not like he goes back and forth all the time but the fact that he comes out and just says these things uh to me is uh, is really really cementing his uh legacy i mean i was talking listening to uh uh to francesa or at some point this week and and talking about you know he was talking to some uh, little kids uh, you know at some point and asking who their favorite yankee is and every one of them gary sanchez gary sanchez gary sanchez kids know who this kid this guy is and and he's Already, you know, the favorite Yankee of a lot of people. And you know what's great? He the way he trots around the bases, it's it's not quite pimping it, but it's not really that fast. And he's got the unbuttoned shirt and he's got a giant chaw in his lip. I it's mean, a quiet it, confidence, man. It's a quiet it's just confidence. It's fun to have on your side. Because yeah, no I doubt. hate it. I freaking hate it when other guys do that to the Yankees. But it's fun to have on your side. Yeah, I love it. I he's not to me. He's not a cocky guy. He's just he's he's extremely confident, and I think there's a big difference. And the way that he carries himself uh, on the field is is tremendous. I mean, the the confidence is absolutely there, and nobody's they're going to stop running on him when he's throwing guys out at second base. You know, beh- throwing behind runners from his knees, <laughs> just absolutely gunning them. They're going to stop running on him. They're going to stop taking leads. He's changing. He's changing the, the way the the base runners are. Or you know how aggressive they're being, and that's a big dynamic. That could be the difference between uh, you know a, a single scoring a guy at second base. And there's so many different factors that this guy is is having on the game. It's uh, it's it's amazing to watch. I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility where he gets 550 to 600 at bats next year. He's gonna have 35 home runs. Yeah, I mean, and a catcher with that type of arm and that type of defense. I mean. Also, let's not ignore the fact that he seems to be calling great games. Do you yes. think it's a coincidence that since he be become the starting uh, catcher that the pitching staff has been pitching better? Do you think that's yeah. a coincidence? Yeah, probably not. Probably not. It's been a while. I mean, it's it's been it, the sample size is pretty good. I mean, the other thing is that we we have a lot more of the younger guys coming up too, and he's he's more familiar with those guys as well. Uh, but yeah, he's he's calling good games. He seems to be in in, in control. Uh, quite a bit. I've seen him make a couple mistakes, but yeah, he's he's calling good games. I mean, overall, the dude's just a uh, defense offense. He's uh, he's 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 tremendous. And yeah, you can't argue that the pitching staff has been much better, you know, as a, as a whole since he's been up. So yeah, I mean, I love how he gets down really low on pitches. He kind of almost is kneeling on the ground. Sort of, it reminds me of how Jose Molina used to receive a game. Yeah, Molina used to get really low. Yeah, and I mean, he had a rifle too. But you, but you know what Sanchez can also do? Hit 450-foot bombs. So um, one guy who has been pitching well, I, I would be – I wouldn't have any respect for myself if I didn't mention it, but Tanaka has been pitching very good. I've been getting some shit on Twitter because – As you as you should. Because uh, everyone is, is tweeting me that, oh, look, Tanaka, another good start, hashtag ace. <laughs> but uh, listen – here, here's I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go on a little diatribe about uh, Tanaka right now. He has been one of the best pitchers in baseball over the last month. The Yankees' win percentage when he starts a game is fantastic. I know I All know year. this. 
I know the stats. It's up there with Kershaw. It's up there with Chris Sale. It's up there with all the best pitchers in the league. Jose Fernandez, the list goes on. Great. Fantastic. I would love... I know you're not going to follow us up with a negative comment. Hold on. Let me finish. I would love to be proven wrong and Tanaka goes out there and continues to be this quote-unquote hashtag ace that he's been. I would love it. But until I see it, he, what do you mean until you see until it? He's I been see doing it. it in a in a in a real do or die game. I am not going to I'm still going to be aware that the fact that it could crumble. It's it's so, ridiculous. You're sounding ridiculous at this point with the sample size that he's put out there over the past 2 months, 3 right. months. He's been phenomenal. Would you, you need to back off this point. The, no. the guy's been amazing. Here's why I'm not backing off this point because as soon as I back off this point and I mean, I, obviously, and I get they, on his bandwagon. There could be a, there could be a bad nope. a start at some As soon some as point. I get on his bandwagon, he's going to bite me in the ass, and I no. do not want that to what happen. What you're going to do is you're going to pounce on his first is his first blemish. Yeah, it's a that's win-win what you're situation do. for me, Scott. Yeah, you're just exactly waiting for that, that one blemish. Yes. Yeah, but that's not going to make your point. That's that's where you're wrong. Oh. It's not going to make your point. I just don't, don't want to get sucked in by this guy because I've been fooled too many times by him. I don't really understand it. I mean, start, the, the, hey, guys started, a, the guys had a very Thursday. good career he's as a Yankee Thursday so Thursday at Fenway Park. It's going to be a gigantic game. Let's see how he pitches. Uh, I, That's all I I'm saying. Let's see how he pitches. Well, he's being pitches. the game. I mean, pretty much what he does every, almost every time he's, Listen, he's out there. I hope he goes seven or eight innings and strikes out nine batters and and leaves the game and the Yankees up four to one. I hope Liar. that happens. Liar. Oh, oh, you kidding me? Of course I hope that happens. I might be at Party. the game Thursday night. Part of you wants it. Part of you wants to blow up just so you can come on and talk about it. Um, before we get into mailbags, did you see Dave Roberts? What he did with Rich Hill over the weekend? He pulled him after seven perfect innings in that Dodgers game. Uh, Rich Hill's coming back from some blister troubles, so they probably didn't want him to get even more of a blister. I don't even know how that works. Weak skin, soft skin. <laughs> Clearly, Rich Hill's skin doesn't have the clutch gene, is what you're saying? Yeah, no calluses. Um, you'd think a 37-year-old pitcher would have more... He's 37? Yeah. Wow. You'd think he'd have more of a callus built up. Right. Um, if you were put in that situation, would you have uh, left him? What was his pitch count at that point? It doesn't, I don't, I didn't, it doesn't matter. He's got a perfect game. It doesn't matter. It, it, his blister was possibly It was because of the up. blister? Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. If if there's if there's risk for further injury, I mean, they're they're in a, a position to, you know, to be ready for the playoffs. You got to make sure your guys are protected. Pull them. The 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 fact that it's a perfect game means nothing at that point. Yeah, I mean, don't you feel like perfect games and no hitters are kind of no longer as cool? Well, I still think they're no. I I mean, the perfect game to me is still a, a tremendous thing. I mean, it's to me the the no hitter has just because there's there are. Well, first of all, there have not been that many this year. Last year was was a crazy year with no hitters. This year, there have been less than five. Or how many have there been? There haven't been a oh, lot. I mean, I don't think there's been five no hitters. But but what I'm just saying is, I feel like over the last um, let's call it ten years of baseball, there's been quite a bit of no hitters in perfect games. I still flip the channel. I, I still think it's a, an amazing. thing Of course, thing to I'm going to watch. But there's other things that I think are cooler in baseball, like 20 strikeouts or four home runs in a game or 10 RBIs in a game. I think that's more rare at this point. The fact that he pulled them though, I mean, it's the, the perfect game, the, the, uh, the no hitter, any of these things, 
you know, you're, you're making history or whatever. It doesn't matter at this point because you're, you're smack in the middle of a, of a pennant race and you got to win ball games and you got to make sure your guys are healthy to move forward. So right now, I could see if it was probably in the middle of the year, you wouldn't have pulled them. But because it is right now where we are, uh, it was probably it was the right move. I mean, if I were Dave Roberts, I would have done the same thing. Well, the Dodgers are coming into Yankee Stadium. They're not going to face Rich Hill. They are going to face Clayton Kershaw, who's making his sec- second start off the DL. Um, so I know they, the Yankees faced Rich Hill when he was in the American League, but um, unfortunately, we, we will not see him up close in person. But do you know what that Rich Hill thing reminded me of? Do you remember 96 when David Cohn came back from the aneurysm and had a no-hitter yeah. in Oakland? Right. And uh, Torrey made the decision to pull him, so... Sometimes the manager's job is to look out for the player to you know so they don't hurt themselves. Well, Puig, just, the guy wants to stay in. Puig made that unbelievable catch in left field to save the perfect game, and Dave Roberts was kind of like a part of me would not have been too upset if that ball dropped in. Yeah, I mean Take you definitely don't off. you don't you feel bad doing it, but at the same time, you know there's we're not we're not about personal accolades at this point. Um, I probably would have left him out there just because when you get a perfect game going, it's, uh, again, you're making history. Um, but I'm th- I was trying to think about like the worst way to not get a perfect game. Obviously there's the, the, what was his name? Galarraga with the Jim Joyce oh, thing. Detroit? Yeah. Yeah. That was bad. I mean, that was the last out of the game. <laughs> the, the umpire just baffed a call. So he was, there's, there's actually a, uh. There, there's an exhibit in the Hall of Fame with, with uh, I don't know, his glove or his cleats or so something. You, so you almost think maybe he's more famous because of that than if he had just gotten the regular perfect game? Well, with the situation that happened, yeah, the way that it did, I, I think people will remember it more, yeah. And you remember Phil Hughes getting pulled in his – was it his first start in Texas? Uh, in Texas, first, yeah. First career start or second career start with a no-hitter in like the seventh inning and he yeah. had a pulled hammy? Yeah. We yep. should have known. We should have known right, right then and there that that was a precursor to to uh, Phil Hughes' career. You ready to get into some mailbags? All right, this one comes from Julio. He says, "Hey guys, Andrew said that he is prepared to let Judge go through some growing pains. I'm ready too because I want to see these guys learn and succeed. However, patience is not a quality that a lot of people have. How many years of growing pains do you think the Yankees could tolerate? Also, why have the Yankees?" Or why do the Yankees hate Ref Snyder so much? The guy can hit, he's an athlete, and he plays no matter where you ask him to. What's wrong with him? I propose Scott to lead the Play Ref Snyder movement. So Julio, thank you very much for the mailbag. Uh, Let's start with Judge. We talked, I think, last week about his growing pains and how we're prepared to go through it. Um, Are you? I think you're on the same page with me that the rest of this year is free reign for growing pains. And then if he's still striking out 45, 50% of the time next season, you obviously have to do something. But, but this year is kind of like, let him figure it out. Yeah. To me, this question's really mostly I'm looking at even into next year, next year, this year is, it doesn't matter. He's going to play it. Whatever happens, happens. If he figures it out this year, they're great. If not, you're still going to play. Got to get that time in. And I think we're, we're really more talking into spring training next year, into the beginning of next year. And like you said, we want to see progression, make sure that he's, he's cutting the strikeouts down. He's getting better at bats. He's, you know, I mean, obviously we've seen what, the way he struggled with the off-speed stuff. I mean, he, he does look very much overmatched with the, with the off-speed stuff. And uh, it, that's one thing he's going to have to figure out. And he's going to have to shorten that swing and, and able to. And, and that was one thing he worked on when he was in AAA. I mean, 
I, I think, you know, listening to the, the scouts and the coaches, that's, he did shorten his swing to uh, even the AAA. So I think he's going to have to make another adjustment to, uh, to, to make, you know, to be able to hit it in the big leagues. And I, I see it happening. I, I think it, it's just going to take a little bit of time. And, um, but yeah, I think next year is, uh, you know, we'll see what happens in the beginning of the year because he's going to get that opportunity to play every day in right field. You know what I kind of underestimated is how difficult it is when you're that size to cover the entire strike zone. Yeah, I mean, his strike zone at being it's huge is six seven. It's gigantic, right. um, and the low and away pitch is a real problem for him. And I, I honestly think it's always going to be a problem for him. He's it's, just got to take advantage of pitches early in the count. If he's getting a pitch early in the count that he can drive, he cannot be taking it. He needs to take advantage of that. Uh, and I feel like he's still a little timid on early in the counts. Yeah, and that's to be expected. I think you know he's he's still trying to figure this whole thing out. He's seeing pitchers for the first time. He's probably got a lot of things going on in his head, especially after the struggle. So he's got to you know almost dumb it down, keep it simple, and and just go up there with the you know with the approach of like you said, you you look for a pitch, um, you know maybe even guess for a little bit and 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 look for that fastball and pounce on it. So and I think he has been doing that. He's been hitting more fastballs. He's been hitting more singles. He's been, uh, you know, even just, you know, when he's out, we've seen a couple more ground outs from him that, that I think the week before, two weeks before that would have been a strikeout. So I think he's slowly making some adjustments. And, and uh, yeah, the, the low and away pitch is going to be absolutely a trouble for him. I mean, he's got to lay off that pitch. That's a pitch you don't want to lay off of. Two strikes, you got to protect at that point. But, you know, I wouldn't, he's got to recognize that pitch early enough that he can lay off of it. Yeah, and, and to his credit, even though he's really struggling and his batting average is below 200, I mean, his on-base percentage is still 259. That doesn't sound good, but when his batting average is 170, that's actually not that bad. Yeah, I mean, again, continued progression. That's, that's the biggest thing. And, and the fact that, that he's, he's, he's made it every level, there's no reason to think that he's not going to do it in the bigs. I mean, he's got the ability, um, and uh, you know, I, I'm confident in the kid. I think he's going to do it. As far as Ref Snyder, Ref Snyder's been playing more. You know, he's he's. I, I think I've been leading the charge. I feel like I've been talking about this dude playing on the show for the past. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know how many shows have we done in the past I, two years. I will say that you started and you're the president of the Let Ref Snyder Play movement. Yeah, I mean the kid. Every time he goes out there, to me, he's putting out good at bats. He's playing his ass off. He plays good defense. I mean, he he saved the run in right field the other night with uh, dude with loves that diving, diving play. Loves yeah, diving. I mean, yeah that. He's athletic. I mean, he's a guy who who has full control of his body. When he's diving, he's doing it for a purpose. You know, some guys do it. I think to you know, you know, I don't know, look good, or, or they well, do the it even night, just the other when night they he don't need to. A ball, and it was pretty far away. Yeah. Oh, he di- he, he uses his he uses those dives for a reason. He he uses them to get to the ball, and that's what you're supposed to do. But no, he's he's to me, he's shown that you know he's extremely comfortable in the outfield. That's obviously his comfort zone. There's no doubt about it. He dude's a natural outfielder. Played there in college. You can tell that he's very comfortable out there, and you know can be an above-average outfielder. And he did. He saved the run the other night. He he keeps putting good at bats. He doesn't have the power, but you know what he does is he hits line drives. He makes good contact almost every time. I mean, it's it. He's a guy that that uh, you know, we we talked about the reason. One of the big reasons him not playing now is because of Tyler Austin. Because of the fact that Tyler Austin can play right field, can play first base. You know he's played a little bit of third. Doesn't they haven't really put him over there? So I don't I don't see that as a thing. But um, that's a guy that is going to be uh, kind of a blockade for him. But he's going to be a utility guy. And 
if he does stay on this team for next year, if he is into the, the plans of the future, that's where he's going to be. He's going to be a, you know, a Zobris type super utility guy. Yeah. He also can't be making mistakes on the base pass like he did over the weekend. Right. Um, he needs to play kind of flawlessly every time he's in the lineup because it, it, he's just in a position where he's got too many guys ahead of him, where if he's not playing smart baseball, he's kind of screwed. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's a lot of pressure for a guy that doesn't play every day and, and is playing sure, a new position absolutely. each day. That's a lot of pressure for a guy. And to me, there were a couple base running mistakes, but the the fact that this guy um, is still, I mean, he gets up there, he gets on base, and he scores. And he does it more often than not. And uh, in this type of lineup, I mean, w- this lineup has definitely changed from the beginning of the year in the sense that we have more guys that can hit for average and get on base more often. But he's the guy that, you know, really does play to that and, and sets other people up. And uh, that's important, turning over the bottom of the lineup. And that's, that's where he's going to be. He's going to be in that nine spot. And it, I think it's a good spot for him. Or he's, he's been in the two spot occasionally too, um, just because he puts those good at-bats uh, you know, uh, especially against lefties. Okay, the next mailbag comes from Scott in Ottawa, who may or may not be your alter ego. And he says... Canadian, on- <laughs> a Canadian alter ego? Canadian Scott, yeah. Uh, in honor of the start of the NFL season, which Yankees, if any, would crack an NFL squad, and which current Yankee would make the best quarterback? I'll let All you right. start. Okay. I mean, the easy answer is Aaron Judge. He's a tight end, I and mean, he would be a beast, an absolute beast. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna surprise you. Probably, I'm gonna surprise you in, in, in a way for the, the quarterback. Probably not surprise you with who I say, but for this particular spot, I'm going with Rob Refsnyder. Because I want a guy who can throw the ball, who can run, and has uh, you know gives you a little bit of a Russell Wilson look. I think he's a a Russell Wilson type as a QB, and that's a it's a dynamic athlete, and I like it. Jesus, would you get off your knees already with Ref Snyder? <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, he played he played uh, football in high school. I've read his Wikipedia page before. Was he a quarterback? I don't know if he was a quarterback. I, I actually think he was a, a he played both sides of the ball as every good athlete does in high school right i believe he was i think he might have been receiver and linebacker yeah uh no those are pretty good picks um who i'm taking for quarterback is gary sanchez because (laughs) of course the cannon yeah behind (laughs) he's a pocket passer he doesn't have much mobility he's not going to be a russell wilson type um he might be kind of like a like a drew bledsoe type no, he's 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 like Jeff George. He's just gonna throw rockets, into rockets chest. down the field. The <laughs> seventy yard, the seventy yard bomb down the field. He will complete a lot, but uh, it's gonna be ugly otherwise. Um, what do you what do you think about CC though? Maybe CC in his younger days might have been like an offensive lineman or something. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. He's uh he's not fleet of foot. I wouldn't really. I, I wouldn't say his footwork would be there for a lineman. Well, that's you gotta you gotta train for that. Yeah, I could see Tyler Austin being a quarterback too. These guys are too short to be quarterbacks. Tyler Austin's not. Yeah, wait. I bet he's like six foot. You got to be like six four. You don't have to be. Russell Wilson's not six four. He's won a Super Bowl. Yeah, but he's mobile. Right. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Good point. (laughs) Uh, Why didn't Aaron Judge though go the route of tight end? I'm wondering how no how a, a coach didn't get his in his ear and and talk him out of being a baseball player. I'm I'm very surprised about that he made it this far in baseball because usually what happens with athletes like that with guys of that size they don't stick with baseball. They either go to basketball or football. And uh, so I am surprised that he developed as long as he did as a baseball player. 
he just must have. I mean, that was his sport, and it was it was probably a family and personal decision. I guarantee he was getting pressure to go to football. Yeah, I also feel like um, Brett Gardner could turn into like a Julian Edelman type. Okay, I see. Yeah, I just I don't like him throwing. It's ugly. What do you mean throwing? You know, Julian Edelman can also throw the ball. He was a quarterback, right? So yeah, but I mean, he's a receiver. He's a slot receiver. Yeah, I, I, Wilder, Gardner's Julian got that Edelman. speed. Who's the yeah, guy? See, who's the guy on the uh, Cowboys? The, the it's like uh, diet, one, diet Wes Welker. Yeah, I don't I don't remember his name. I know who you're talking about. Beasley. Beasley, yeah, Cole Beasley. Yeah, I feel like Gardner could play that role. If he plays on the Patriots, I mean, he's he's a white guy playing the slot. So just enter a white guy yeah. playing the slot, and yeah. there you go. Belichick grows those guys out back. Yeah. Um. All right, guys. Thanks for the mailbags. Um. You want to talk a little football before we get out of here? A little bit, a little bit. You want to vent about your Jets? I got nothing to vent anymore. It's just a disappointment. <laughs> Come on, you got to do better than that. I'm tired at this point. This is it's you know it's it, it was a bad loss. It was a Nick Folk gets a, a misses a PAT and gets a, there's a field goal blocked. I mean it's a it's a terrible loss. You gotta you gotta win that game. Did it's you just, see? Did you see Trent Dilfer on the ESPN pre-show said no. it was a must-win for the Jets? I mean, that's ridiculous. It's, it's so week stupid. one. Week one, and he's calling it must win. Yeah, as, and, and as, as the, uh, the AL East, very well, all of them, if, if the Patriots lose tonight, can go, we'll go 0-1, but it's a must win. Good point. Um, and the Gi- I know we probably have a lot of Giants fans. Uh, got squeaked out a win against the Cowboys, the, the Dax-led Cowboys. Uh, the Dax to Dez was not a connection today. Nah. But you know who nah. it was? Dax to win. I think Witten's yeah, and gonna Beasley. have a big year. Um, the, who was who the guy who did who stayed in bounds at the end of that game for the Cowboys? I don't even know who it was. Oh, Terrence uh, Williams. Okay, yeah. I mean, somewhere Justin, uh, for who writes for our website, is a Justin Cowboys and fan. Keith are both big. They're Cowboys probably fans. rolling over in their graves right now. Yeah, well, they're not dead, but they're definitely angry. <laughs> um, I'm not a fan of McAdoo, the Giants coach. I feel like that mustache needs to go. It's something about his hair that bothers me too. There's it's something that going hair on. Hair and mustache. It's like yeah. it's no longer 1987. Like he it's a very mo- strange combination. The fact that he, the, the fact that he puts the the um, the headset over the hair and the hair looks very strange with that mustache. I agree with that. That's not that's not a head coach haircut. He looks like a fencing coach. <laughs> like like you he's gonna pull out a. You can't be a head a sword, coach in the a, NFL with that haircut and mustache. I, mean, I I must say you know I'm not a. I'm not a Giants fan. I'm a Jets fan, but I'm not a Giants hater by any means. You know, there have been a lot of people in my family are Giants fans. I've never disliked the Giants. I've always watched them as well. Good for Victor Cruz, man. I mean, that, I think it was 700 days, I think I heard, that he's been out of football, uh, you know, between regular season games and comes back today, has a good game, catches a touchdown. Good for him. Kid from, uh, from Patterson, New Jersey. Yeah. Good job. Good job, Victor Cruz. That's, UMass, a, that's a, a good job. UMass Amherst guy. Yeah, he's a UMass guy. Um. Yeah, but and, that's impressive to see him come back. I'm happy for him. He's always uh, he's always been, uh, you know, one of the uh, one of the good guys on and off the field. He brought the salsa back. He did bring the salsa back. You see the highlights of Odell Beckham and Des Bryant yucking it up during the pregame. No. Oh my God, they were they were literally tickling each other on the field before the game. I'm not exaggerating. Des Bryant went up and tickled Odell Beckham. That's weird. It's a little weird. Makes me want to trade him off my fantasy team. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, 
All right, I also want to mention for football that we started a fantasy football league, and uh, it's a 14-team league, so there's the two of us plus 12 other listeners of the podcast in the league. I'm getting my ass kicked in week one. I don't know about you. I'm pretty sure I'm leading the league in points right now. Last oh, time I looked, yeah. Last Not- time I looked, as I drafted from uh, – well, I had a softball game, and I was drafting from the softball game when I was playing. Yeah, not to brag or anything, right? No, not to brag. I'm, you know, it's just <laughs> these are these are facts. The the BP Show Bowl is the name of the league, and uh, thank you for the listeners who who wanted to get involved. Hopefully, we can uh, maybe for the winner get a nice little prize. We'll we'll try and cook something up. But yeah, I'm gonna make a T-shirt. I'm gonna make a T-shirt for the winner. There we go. It'll be a custom T-shirt for just the winner. But what if what you or I win? I'll make a custom T-shirt for you, or, you or me. I'll make my own damn T-shirt. Nah, see, now I'm smelling controversy. Well, I'll make your T-shirt. Might have some some subliminal messages in it, but <laughs> it's just it's just Nathan Avaldi's face. It might be Nathan Avaldi's face with a crown on it. <laughs> just a splitter that's hung in the middle of the plate. It'll be it'll be a it'll be yeah it'll be a half Avaldi Headley face oh, with God. a crown. It's a love child I do not want to see. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm definitely gonna win this week. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm screwed. Looking good, looking good. All right, uh, any last words before we get out of here? No, I just hope that the winning continues. Uh, I think it's really cool that the Dodgers are coming in. It's it's weird that they're coming in now, but it's 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 going to be a cool series. The, the you know just seeing the Dodgers in the Bronx, I think that's that's pretty neat. Uh, getting to see Clayton Kershaw up up close and personal, even though I don't want to see him at this point in the season. Um, and then huge series against Boston. You definitely got to go to those games and do some. Uh, do some on-field reporting. I am really looking forward to that weekend at Fenway. I think, yeah. honestly, it's going to be one of the more exciting series between these two teams in a while. And I think people, the people of New York need to get back on this Yankees bandwagon. Uh, as long as nothing bad happens in this Dodgers series and things are still set up for you know, a potential run at it in Boston, it's going to be huge. I think you should be on Yaki Way causing problems on, and then periscope it. Alright, we'll talk to you guys next Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again guys for your support. Really appreciate it and go Yankees. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.